Have we all had those moments in life where we believe something was true, or we felt something, or we had this emotion, and if only we had the other information, we would have believed differently, acted differently, and man, things would have just turned out so, so differently than they did. And you know, I, I, I'm sure in your life, you've had some of those moments, like you have experienced some of those times where, man, oh, if I'd only known, like that's the line I love that Brady said in, in the midst of all that, if I only New, right? And you've had those if I only knew moments in life too. I know I have. When Kelly and I got married, we were just young. We were 22 and we went down to Mexico on our honeymoon. And the first mistake we made was the flight that we took. We, we didn't take like, you know, American Airlines or Delta or any of these names you know. We, we found this real cheap one. It was called Allegra Airlines. You never heard of that. That's right. And when we got to this plane, there were 10 seats on the plane. And Kelly joked that like a bar was going to come down like for a roller coaster and keep you safe, you know. And it was the worst flight. Lightning. I was nauseous. Like there was turbulence. It was crazy. We literally kissed the ground. Had we known, if we had only known, we would have gotten a completely different flight. And then we were told, hey, make sure you don't drink any of the water while you're down there. We're like, okay, we got this, you know. So 220 22-year-old, so smart. We're like, we'll just live on virgin strawberry daiquiris, you know, until we realize like they're filled with ice, which comes from water. And so we got really sick. And then the worst part of it though was one day I was like, you know what? We got this nice hot tub in the room. I've never had a hot tub in my life. It wasn't in the bathroom. It was right in the middle of the room. Like, let's enjoy this. And so I began to fill it up. And when it got past the jets, I was like, I guess I hit the button now. Now, I just want to tell you, if you're ever going in a jacuzzi or a hot tub, you want to let it fill all the way up because if you press that button before the water is too much higher, it turns the jets into water cannons. And it shot the water all over the room. The curtains were soaked. Our suitcases were soaked. My new bride was soaked. She's screaming. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. I open it. It was the police. They turned me around, put me in hand. Okay, I made that part up. But, but oh, everything before that was true. And you know, you have those moments where, ah, oh, if I only knew, right? I would have taken a different flight. We wouldn't have drank the strawberry, the, the strawberry drinks. And man, we sure wouldn't have hit that button before it was ready to be hit. And you have those moments in life too where you're kicking yourself going, ah, oh, if I only knew. Well, you know what? Tonight, or today rather, we often find ourselves in those situations when it comes to our relationship with God too. And it comes to how maybe we even see God too, right? You see, some of you guys walk into this room and you believe some certain things about God. And that, man, it's completely put you on the course that you're on in your life right now. And it's made you see things through the lens that you see things through. And I want to tell you today, some of you guys are wondering maybe one of these few things. Maybe you're wondering first off, like, does God love me? Honestly, does he love me? Like, maybe you're, you're new to church or this is your first time here. We're so excited that you're in the room today. But you would say, I am not a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. And a big reason is because I just can't imagine he wants me. I can't imagine that he actually loves me. Can I just tell you today, man, if you only knew how much God loves you, if you only knew how much God loves you. So maybe you find yourself in that place and you're wrestling through that. And, and here's what happens when you don't believe God loves you. A couple things. You're afraid of God right? You're just afraid of him. I don't know what he's going to be like. I don't know how he's going to respond. And, and you're just kind of scared of him, if you're honest. Maybe today, as we were singing in the, in the, in the, in the worship time before, and where you see people raising up their hands, like, God, I want to be close to you. Or they're singing about this love that we have for God. You're like, I don't want to be close to you, God. I'm afraid of you. I don't even know what would happen if I got close to you. And so maybe that's your attitude toward God. If you only knew, though, how much he loves you. Maybe some of you guys are trying to perform your way into a closer relationship with God. You're trying to fix yourself, you know? Or maybe you're trying to cleanse that guilty conscience that you have, those things that kind of keep you up at night, those things that you kick yourself over and wish you had never done in the first place. Man, if you only knew how much God loves you. Maybe some of you guys are like, man, you know, the, the big problem in my life is, is that 
I feel like if God loves me, I don't know how to like appropriately respond to that. How do I like love him back? Maybe you sense there's this thing lacking in your heart, like you don't feel anything toward him. And so that's kind of messing with you. So maybe you're in that first category, just doubting on a huge, large, zoomed out scale the love of God for you. Now, some of you guys, I would guess many of you guys are in a different spot today. You're in category two. You don't doubt the love of God, but you aren't really just secure in it, you know? Like, you know God loves you. If I asked you, hey, does God love you today? You'd say, yes, he loves me. But you're not secure in it. And so what happens when we're not secure in the love that God has for us? A few things. We begin to just live for approval, don't we? We begin to live for what social media says about us. Think about that. You live, we live sometimes by what someone clicking a button says about us right? Or sometimes it's just a person that we perform for, and when we don't have their approval, it's like everything else goes out the window. And instead of looking to God and living securely in the love that he has for us, we doubt that love or wrestle with that love, and we try to fulfill all these things in all these other places. And so maybe that's some of you in category two. And maybe for you, it's not just that, you know, other people's approval kind of messes with you. Maybe it's, it's gotten real bad. Like maybe you've hurt yourself. Maybe you've cut yourself. Maybe you've thought about taking your life Amen. if you only knew, if you only knew how much God loves you. Maybe you're in a third category and you're wrestling to believe that God loves you today because you're going through a time of really difficult suffering. Like there's just some pain in your life on the biggest scale you've ever been through and you just can't imagine how can God love me and allow me to go through this pain? Maybe that's where you find yourself today. There's a fourth category of us and I want to talk to all four categories today. There's a fourth category of us and you know who you are? You are the person who walked into the room, and man, I can so relate to this. You're the person who walked into the room, and you're just full of doubt. You're going, Easter, great. I wish it were true, but can't imagine that it is. I mean, come on, someone coming back from the dead? And you're just wrestling with, man, could Jesus be alive, or could God even exist at all, right? And so today, I want to walk through these different struggles. And I can tell you this, I have related to all four of these struggles in my life. I've wrestled with all all of these categories. I've been in all of them at different points. And so whether you're the person completely doubting God loves you or you're struggling to be secure in it or you're not seeing how he's loving in the midst of your suffering or you're wondering if he's alive at all, then I hope to encourage you today. Ephesians 3.18, Paul said this, and this is my prayer for us today. He says this, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, I love this, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. You see, because the truth is, When you understand God's love, if you only knew how much God loves you, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. And the person who's been in this room for a while, the person who's been walking with Jesus for decades even, you know what? The struggles you have today, the answer is God's love and then a better understanding of it and a better experience in it. And the person who's brand new to all of this, And you might walk into this place going, but Doug, you don't get it. I'm so addicted. I'm so angry. I'm so hateful. I'm so far. Guess what? The answer for you is the same answer for me. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I've been close to Jesus for a long time. The the same answer applies to both of us. Whether this is all new or you've been around a long time, it's getting to know the love of God even more. It's understanding it. It's living in the security of it. It's accepting it. And it's then saying, all right, I'm not going to lose track of this. I'm not going to lose track of what I've got in my hands right now. I'm not going to let go of this love that Jesus has for me. So let's dive into it together this morning. First John chapter 4. John was trying to get the followers of Jesus to live a certain way. 
And he said, you know what? Let's talk about the cross and let's talk about Easter and let's talk about this idea of love. And look what he says in verse nine. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. This is how God showed his love among us. So in other words, if you're here today and you're looking for some proof that God loves you, John's about to give it to us. He's about to help us understand the evidence for God's love for us. I don't know if in your life if you've ever had to prove something to somebody. Uh, a few years ago, my wife, Kelly, got sick and she was in the hospital for uh, several weeks. And so my kids lived with my in-laws for a while while we were kind of navigating hospital life. And so they would bring the kids to come hang out with us. And one time, as we were in the elevator going up to see Kelly, my son Cade reached out his hand to stop the door. You know, like when the door's closing and somebody says, oh, oh, just, just, just hold the door for me. And so Cade was like the sweet little kid and he thought, oh, I'll just put out my arm. And I screamed because the door was closing and not stopping. And he pulled it back in time, thankfully, and all was well. And we kind of joke, like, if this is gonna happen, it's the perfect place. They'll just sew your arm back on down the hall, right? But, but as we went through the visit then, I walked the kids back to the elevator and they're in the elevator, and the door is closing, and so I did like a really dumb dad move, you know, like all the dads in the room, like this is what you would have done in that position too, and I know we got this bond right now. So as the door's closing, I was like, ah, I'm disappearing, you know, which isn't funny as evidenced by your lack of laughter. And so as the door <laughs> closes, I get back to my room, right? I've got four missed calls from my youngest son, and I'm like, what's going on? I call him back, Landon, are you okay? He goes, dad, I just had to make sure, man, I don't know, you were so close to that door, I just thought that maybe like it cut your head off, you know? And I said, well, it actually did. This, this is my head talking to you, but my body's still back by the elevators, which that didn't really help. But man, I had to then just go ahead and convince him, buddy, I'm okay. Everything's all right. But he needed that proof. And today, some of you need the proof that God loves you or that Jesus is alive. And here, John says to us, hey, if you're doubting or you're not living securely in the love that God has for you, can I just tell you what he did? Look at what it says next. He sent his one and only son into the world. That's what he did. If you're doubting if God loves you today, you just have to look to what Jesus has done for you. So let's talk about it, right? God creates mankind. Everything's going well. But then sin enters the picture. And I want you to imagine with me this scenario in heaven, right? That there's this huge whiteboard in heaven and the angel takes the biggest sharpie ever, right? And walks up to the whiteboard and says, okay, God, what are we going to do now? You got some plans? How are we going to handle these sinful people down there? Okay, option number one, the angel writes on the screen. Let's just say, for example, he writes down, punish mankind, right? And then option two is destroy mankind, and I just have to imagine that at one point, God just shook his head and picked up the biggest Sharpie ever and went over to option number one and just drew a big X over it. No. And then went to option number two and drew a big X over it. No, that, that, that's not the plan. There's a third option. There's this third plan. It's the only plan that's ever existed. It's that I'm going to send my perfect son to them. Not going to destroy them. Not going to wipe them out. Not going to punish them. Instead, we're going to send Jesus, the perfect, pure, holy son of God, right into the midst of it. If you're doubting today, if God loves you, look no further than Jesus. If he didn't love you, he would have stayed nice and comfortable right where he was. If he didn't want you, if he didn't care, then he never would have come in the first place. But that's exactly what he did. And you say, well, why did he come? What's this all about? First John 4 goes on, that we might live through him. See, all of humanity was headed toward death, not just physical death here and now, but, but spiritual death for all eternity. And Jesus came that we would live through him. 
So you and I are headed toward hell, and God says, no, no, I, I want to rescue these people. But, but God, they're, they're completely immoral, and they, they go against all that you are. And they've, Didn't you see what they did with the commands you gave them? Which, by the way, the commands God gives, gives us are for our good. Just, just a little side note there. They're for our good. Don't look at those commands thinking he's out to ruin your fun. They're there to protect and preserve us. But, but look what they did, God, to your commands. And he goes, I, I know. But I'm going to send Jesus anyway. And he sent his son into this world that we might live through him eternally. So, for example, my mother passed away six years ago now, and she had cancer, and it was a horrible situation, and it was heartbreaking. But I can tell you this, I, without a heartbeat of hesitancy, without a single doubt in my mind, I could tell you right where she is right now. Like, I, I miss my mom, but I don't walk around going, oh, man, I hope she's all right. I don't know where she is. I don't know what she's up to. Like, she's with Jesus. Not because she was a perfect person, but because Jesus is a good, gracious God who rescued her. And so Jesus has allowed her to live through him. But that's not all this is talking about here today. This is also talking about you and I living through him here and now. What do I mean by that? Well, you and I begin this relationship with God. He begins to change this, doesn't he? He begins to cause us to live through him in a new way, a different way. We're not who we once were. And this is really important if you're in category four, because this is some of the evidence that Jesus is not still in that tomb. It's the changed lives, right? And I want to let you know a couple things here. Next week, we are going to dive in. Man, we're ready to go deep. Next week, we're going to jump into all of the proof, all of it in existence, but much of the proof as to how we know Jesus is actually out of that grave. And so we'd love to see you next week for part one of our series, This is Jesus. But today, I want to let you know we would love for you to take our visitor CD out at the info desk. And if you don't know what a CD is, or you know it's 2019 and not 1996, then we also have it streaming on our web and our app. We'd love for you to grab that because it talks about why we believe Jesus is alive. There's also an evidence CD set, which again, you can stream online as well. But it talks about all the evidence that there is. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. You're wrestling with your faith about this Jesus stuff. But please come back next week and bring somebody with you who maybe is wrestling as well. But today, what I can tell you is that changed lives are part of the proof that Jesus is alive. Do you know who's sitting in the seats around you? Not just your loved ones and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. No, no, no. The people sitting in the seats around you, I want you to know who they are. They're a bunch of people who are imperfect and flawed, but they're loved and God's changing them. Do you know who's on this stage right now? An imperfect, flawed, loved, changed person. And I'll tell you what, that is some of the greatest proof that Jesus is alive. The people in the seats around you, man, some of them were addicted, but, but now they're not because God has gotten them through that. Some of them were headed toward ending their life, but God's gotten them through that. Some of them were headed toward divorce, but God's gotten them through that. It's amazing the life change in this room right now. And that's one of the greatest evidences that we would live through him. And it goes on. A little more convincing. If you're not convinced about the love of God yet, he says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Maybe you came in today trying to impress God. You're trying to just get him to like you. I just wish he'd like me a little bit. And you're trying to do this or that. Can I tell you today that, that it's, it's, it's the emphasis on the wrong love. See, if your love right now is your focus, can you please get your focus off your love and can you get it on God's love for you instead? I gotta tell you something uh, serious. Um, so in my lifetime, I've been kicked and punched, uh, spit on, some really nasty things. And you might say, well, Doug, why haven't you reported these things? Because they're my children. My children <laughs> did these things to me, okay? 
when my son was one years old, I had him up on my shoulders, and we're looking in a mirror. We're on vacation. Someone's filming us, and I'm being, you know, silly dad, and we're laughing and joking. He throws up on me, throws up on my head, and I had hair then, and actually, maybe that's what did it. It was acidic. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, man. I've been through it, right? So have you. If you're a parent, you've been through it. But I love those kids like crazy. They will never get it. They will never, ever, they truly will never fathom how much I love them. And I'm telling you right now, I can't imagine them coming to me one day and saying, Dad, I'm just too imperfect for this relationship with you. God, or Dad, you're you're too good to me, and so I'm going to run and go do my own thing because there's no way you actually want me. I would chase them now. I don't care where I have to go to get them back. And that's the same with God. Some of us are looking at God right now and go, there's no way you want me. I've done too many wrong things. There's no way. you. I've, God, I've, I've punched and kicked and spit on you so many times, so to speak. There's no way you still want me. And he's going, are you kidding me? It's not about your love for me. It's not about your performance. It's about my love for you. And so John tells us here, if you're looking for proof, look no further than this amazing love that he has for us that carried him to such great lanes. And look what it says. It goes on. If you're still doubting the love of Jesus, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The definition of atoning sacrifice is a payment for our sins. Everyone watching a movie, and in the movie, you know, there's this tribe in the middle of nowhere, and they're doing these human sacrifices trying to appease the gods. Or maybe you read the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, where they would take bulls and rams, and they would sacrifice these animals to try to appease God and, and deal with the sin issue, right? And you know what? You and I... Though we don't do these sacrifices in this way, we do try to cover our sin, don't we? We try to cover our guilt. We try to make up for it. We try to overrule it with action, right? But I think we've all discovered something, whether it's the people in the movie sacrificing people or it's the people in the Old Testament sacrificing animals or it's you and I trying to earn God's love by covering up our mistakes. We've all learned something. We've learned that it doesn't work. We've learned that those sacrifices don't work. We've learned that our actions can't make up for the things we've done. We can't cleanse our guilty conscience. The best we could do is kind of maybe cover it up for a little while. A family invited our family away this past winter, and we went to their house in Pennsylvania in the Poconos. Beautiful home. And you know how it is when you go to somebody's house, you want to leave it better than you found it? Yeah, it's impossible if your son's name is Landon Jew Jansen, okay? And so we're sitting there, and we're eating lunch, and he all of a sudden starts going, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I was like, what? I look over. His soda exploding, exploding. And these people had white carpets underneath their dining room table. And he wasn't drinking Sprite. And he wasn't drinking Coke or even Dr. Pepper, the nectar of heaven. He was drinking <laughs> Cherokee red soda. Here's a picture of it. That's what he was drinking and was now all over the white carpet. And I'm looking at these people like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what we're going to do. Right? And so we did what every, everyone would do, what you guys would do. Right? We picked up the couch and moved it three feet back over the stain, right? Like, that's what you do, right? No, that's not what we did. We got, like, everything we could find, every cleaning product we could find. We got a steamer out there. We cleansed that thing out, right? We wanted it clean. We didn't want to just cover it up. And I'm telling you right now, some of us have been moving the couch back in our life for far too long, trying to cover it up, trying to cover up those things instead of allowing them to actually be cleansed and removed And I'm telling you, you and I, man, we live in the fear that somebody's going to come move the couch one day and find out what's really going on. But what if there's a Savior who came to remove those stains? See, Jesus was the payment for your sin, guys. Jesus was the payment for your sin. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. You don't have to try to fix it yourself. You don't have to try to figure out a way. You don't have to wonder if Jesus loves you. You don't have to wonder if you can be secure in it. 
No, this incredible sacrifice is our hope. And you and I, sometimes as we try to fix ourselves, oh, we gossiped about so-and-so, so now I've got to be really nice to him and make up for it. I've been lying for a season, so now I've got to spend the next, right, the next month, I'm setting my clock, man. The next month, I'm not even going to tell a white lie. Like We try all these negotiations, but Jesus already came as the payment for our sin, to remove our sin and our, sin, our shame. Jesus was the payment for your sin. And if you are here in category three today and you can't fathom that God loves you because he's allowing you to suffer, I get it. I had several conversations with people on this exact topic this week. A good friend in severe pain, debilitating pain, saying, how can God let me go through this and still be loving? I got a message from a a cousin of mine who said, my friend just found out her daughter has cancer. How can God be loving? I sat in a hospital five days this week with one of my best friends watching his son try to recover from brain surgery. I'll tell you, it gets really hard sometimes to fathom God's love in the midst of that. But you and I, we've got to look no further than the cross because this is what happened. This is what always grounds me and brings me back is the truth That Jesus did not, that God did not just stay in heaven safe and sound looking down at all of us suffering. He came and joined the suffering and he even got the nickname the suffering servant. That's the name Jesus carried while he was on earth. The suffering servant. The one who came to walk right in the midst of it with us so that if you are feeling pain in your body today, he could say, I get it. If you've experienced abandonment recently or betrayal, he can look at you and say, I get it. If you feel lonely, if you have need, he can look at you and say, I know exactly what that feels like. I'm telling you right now, there is no other God who has done anything like that. Jesus was the payment for your sin. Are you wondering if he loves you? Would he go through all that and then still look at you and me and say, I'm not sure, about, not sure if I love you today. Not sure if you're performing up to my standards today. Would he go through all that and then, and then abandon us in the little? No, he loves you so much if you only knew. And so what do we do with all this? Well, 1 John 4, 14 continues. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If you're in category four, doubting that Jesus is alive, I want to tell you today, John's telling us as an eyewitness that he's alive. John was Jesus' best friend. And John can say, listen, I saw Jesus come to earth, live the perfect life. I saw Jesus die on a cross and then raise back from the dead. And then, do you know what they did to John? We're going to dive more into this next week. You know what they did to John and his buddies? Horrible things. They imprisoned him. They tortured them. John was not a martyr, but all of his friends were. And they wouldn't stop saying Jesus was alive. In fact, look what John did say in John 20, verses 3 to 7. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. They're running to the tomb. They heard some rumors that Jesus is alive, right? Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. John is the one who calls himself the other disciple. He talked about himself in the third person. He was there. He's the eyewitness. He's the one in the empty tomb. And he would go on to endure much suffering, saying Jesus was alive. And so if you're here today wondering if you're loved, whether you're in category one, two, or three, or if Jesus is alive today, I want you to know that the answer is, is yes, he is alive. 
And yes, he loves you. And Easter is the proof that God loves you. And so what are you carrying here today? What are you wrestling with today? Which of those four categories did you find yourself in? Maybe you're in all four. Maybe you're wrestling through all of it right now. I'm here to tell you Easter is the proof that God loves you. So what do I do about it? The next part says this. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. It's about beginning a conversation with Jesus. It's about beginning this relationship and beginning to say, Jesus, I need you so much. I'm so tired of trying to move the couch. I'm so tired of just living with the guilt and living with the consequence. I'm so tired of just being angry at you, God. I spend so much time just being angry because you've allowed this or that in my life. And God, I'm done. And today I'm just going to look at Jesus on the cross. I'm going to remember what he did for me and I'm going to get past the attitude and I'm going to thank you for coming because Easter proves God loves you. Easter proves you're not alone in this. Easter proves Jesus is alive. And you know what? When you and I, when you and I, if only, if you and I only would know how much God loves you, it would change everything. Every last thing changes when you and I live securely in that love. And so if you're in category one, I hope you're encouraged. You are not too far gone. This is the God who will chase after you and I. And I, I pray that if you're in category two, you will stop worrying about, man, stinking social media. I say we just all blow it up and delete it. I pray you'll stop worrying about what so-and-so at the office said. I pray you'll stop worrying about the performance. I pray you'll stop asking questions like, should I keep hurting myself? Should I even be here anymore? I pray all that would go away. And I pray in category three, you would just embrace this love and this Savior. I don't know why you're going through. I don't know why my friend's 14-year-old has cancer. I don't know why my buddy's son just had to go through all this and be in the midst of this on Easter, sitting in the hospital today. I don't know. But I do know Jesus came into the midst of it all. And he suffered in our place and he experienced it all. So he could look at you today and say, I get it. If you're category four, I pray the eyewitness and the changed lives will be a powerful, powerful tool to help you take a step toward Jesus today. So God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the power of what you can do in a life. And we come to you today just so grateful that, God, this is real. This is real. This is true, God. What, what we sing about today, what, what your word says, God, is true and is a reality, God. And, and God, I pray that we would come in as people now who are changed as we leave. People, God, who, who now know, man, this, this truth about this risen Savior can transform everything. And going deeper in this love is the answer to everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just take a minute and just pray about this? What, what's going on in your heart? Would you kind of pray yourself through this as you think about maybe the category that you sort of found yourself in this morning? Would you just pray about it? God, I, I really want to be more secure in your love. God, I really want to be able to know, God, that you're with me even in this season of intense suffering. God, let me just see your presence. Just pray yourself kind of through some of that. If you're here today and you didn't believe God loved you at all or you, you had a really hard time believing that Jesus is alive, I just pray that you might be willing today to take a step toward him. He loves you so much. He took 10 million steps towards you. I pray today you take one toward him. And so if you want to begin a conversation with Jesus, I would just encourage you just to silently pray with me now, something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me. Thank you so much for proving to me your love by getting on that cross. God, today I put my faith in you. 
fact that you rose back from the dead and now you want me to live through you. God, show me what that looks like. Show me what it is to follow you. Thank you for this gift of salvation that I could never earn myself. Just before we open our eyes today and sing this last song, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you don't have to do this, but so that I could be praying for you this coming week, I'd love for you to just look me in the eyes. So let me start over on this left side. Anybody over on this left side here today for the first time put your trust in Jesus? I'd love to be praying for you this week. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. I see you. Anybody else over here? I see you. I see you. How about this center section? Anybody for the first time? I see you. Yep, I see you. Awesome. I got you guys. Yep, yep. Thank you, God. I see you. I see you. Anybody over here on the right? I see you. Thank you, God. So, God, I thank you so much for all these today at all three services that have put their trust in you. We celebrate what you have done. God, please keep each and every one of them near you, close to you, growing in you, and help us help them as they help us, Lord, as we all push each other closer to Jesus. Thank you. Your name, amen.